It's been just over two and a half months of being your lead pastor. And I've finally discovered in the Bible code exactly when the end of the world will be happening. (laughs) I'm so glad you know my sense of humor. (laughs) Some of you don't. (laughs) Maybe you're a guest. (laughs) You're a guest here this morning and you were like, time to go. (laughs) Chances are, each of us in this room have already, even the youngest among us, have already lived through someone's prediction on exactly when, the date and time that they have it all figured out of when the Lord is returning or when that nuclear bomb is going to go off or when things are going to fall apart officially and the end of the world would be ushered in and the zombies would begin their attack. I said zombies. (laughs) A fascinating journey through Wikipedia for me this week noted no less than 50 specific dates and times that it was predicted publicly that the end of the world would be ushered in, that Jesus would return in my lifetime, 50 in my lifetime alone. With some of our world leaders recently gathering together in the past several weeks, the conversation has again come to the surface. It has come up again and again, drummed up in conversation about exactly when the end of the world would be happening. It shouldn't surprise us that Jesus speaks, I think, again, some radical red letters on the subject of when the absolute end of this world would happen, how he would return for the faithful, and exactly how the final judgment would take place. There's some familiar passages throughout Scripture that remind us of some of those details and some of the specifics of how it is we are to live as we keep watch. If you have your Bible this morning or you have a smartphone, you have a Bible. Turn with me to Mark chapter 13. Mark's gospel gives us Jesus' interaction with his disciples in this passage. And uh, as he outlines some specifics of what it is we are to look for, he also gives some direction as we learn to live and keep watch. Mark chapter 13, again, let me remind you, if you have uh, a smartphone or a tablet with you this morning, you're, you're welcome to open up the Bible app. If you search for Bible in your app store, the first app you can download is called Bible, and it's by a church out in Oklahoma called Life Church, and uh, we try to put our notes uh, into that app for you to follow along. If you'd like to do that, please feel free to do that again this morning. 
The first 30 verses of this chapter, in Mark chapter 13, Jesus goes into some detail uh, about what the end will consist of. And you can read uh, those first 30 verses on your own this afternoon. I encourage you to do that. Jesus lists off some things that we're to look for as we uh, anticipate the end of the world. Let me pause for a moment and remind us the end is coming. You remember a couple years ago now, I, I, I wore a billboard and walked through this place as I started a message proclaiming with a megaphone, the end is near. Jesus goes on and on. He talks about wars and rumors of wars. He reminds us that there will be nations rising against us, other nations, kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes and famines. These signs, he says, will be just the beginning signs of the birth pains that are to come. He reminds us in this chapter that there will be brother betraying brother even to the point of death, father to his child and children against their parents. There will be hatred towards Christ's followers. There will be uh, signs and rumors of false messiahs, false prophets, even those who perform signs and wonders that will deceive even the elect, Scripture says. Jesus then also quotes two prophetic messages from the book of Isaiah. And he reminds that the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, stars will fall from the sky, and heavenly bodies will be shaken. Plenty for us to look for. Yeah? And then he follows up this quite descriptive set of telltale signs with verse 31. He says, heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. Imagine for a moment being a disciple listening in on that conversation with Jesus. Imagine Jesus giving those specific descriptions. Imagine sitting there with him, standing there with him, whatever the scenario was in that moment. Imagine that list of things to come. And be one of those early disciples who no doubt had the instant reaction of asking, okay, how long are we to wait to build our basement bomb shelter for this inevitable end of the world you're talking about? Maybe the disciples were much more mature than I am. But as I read a list like that, my gut reaction is, okay, When? When's it going to happen? And how can I be most prepared to protect myself? The radical red letters that I want to focus on this morning come next in this passage of Scripture. Mark chapter 13, verses 32 to 37. Listen as Jesus speaks. Verse 32. However... No one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. And since you don't know when that time will come, be on guard. Stay alert, Jesus says. Verse 34, the coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. When he left home, he gave each of his slaves instructions about the work they were to do. 
And he told the gatekeeper to watch for his return. You too must keep watch. For you don't know when the master of the household will return. In the evening, at midnight, before dawn, or at daybreak. Don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say to you what I say to everyone. Watch for him. Would you pray with me? Lord, your holy word divides joint from marrow. I pray that, Lord, this passage of Scripture would pierce our hearts, would impact how we go about our life even today. Would you be the convictor to our hearts and lives today? Would you remind us how it is we are to keep watch for you? We surrender ourselves again to you. Speak, Lord. We're listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Can I put myself again in the story of the disciples and Jesus in this moment? As the disciples are hearing this list of things to come, as Jesus is describing pretty vividly, maybe a little symbolic perhaps, but as he uh, describes these things to come, the disciples are taking all of this in, and then Jesus says, no one knows exactly when it's going to happen. Can I uh, put myself in that same room for a minute and just admit that as soon as that conversation is over, and I'm sitting there with James and uh, Peter and John and I'm just hanging as one of the disciples in just that moment of closing remarks. Maybe we're supposed to go to the next town for ministry after this conversation. Can I admit to you that my first act as a disciple in that exact moment would have been to just go up to Jesus kind of nonchalantly. Maybe just nudge him a little bit. Good, good talk. It was good. It's good stuff. Hey, by the way, I pull out my smartphone. Open up my calendar. Just nudge him a little bit once more. What what year? Could you just could you just give me the year? Could you just give me maybe the, the, the century? Could you just could it happen before my daughter becomes a teenager? Could you just give me an idea of the month, the year? Give me something a little bit more than the idea to keep watch. And I know, I think I know, that Jesus would smile at me and he would just sum up all his teaching again on this subject. And he would say, Stephen, just watch. Stay alert and keep watch. Can I be honest again with you? I don't like that answer. I don't think we like that answer in, in much of our situation. Just keep watch. Well, I'm a person consumed by time and dates. We are a culture that surrounds ourselves with filling up our calendars and our schedules to the fullest. We actually have to schedule day offs. Anybody else? 
Because our lives are so demanding. They are so full of here and now and things in the future. I just scheduled them saying some things from the front row this morning before I got up to preach. We're overbooked. It's only when conflict arises, when something comes out of nowhere, seemingly when we break our femur and get taken to the ER, that things remind us that we are so consumed with filling our lives and that we need to take time to refocus. Keep watch is not the answer I want about anything. I would much rather know the exact appointment date and time when Jess takes the kids for an appointment without me. The first thing she knows she needs to do is put that next appointment in the calendar so that we can plan our lives by our calendar. Whatever the situation, an undisclosed date and time doesn't work well in my life. It's true. About this question of when will the end come. I I love that the disciples ask that they're inquisitive and Jesus reminds them. Nobody, he doesn't even know. And that truth that Jesus speaks in this moment is to be the truth for you and to me today. We we may come to the Lord and say, tell us when exactly these things are going to happen. What will be the exact sign that we should look for so that we should begin to panic? And Jesus' simple answer is always keep watch. I'm told that there are a few people who do well at keeping watch in our culture, right? If you've been a parent, I have not been a parent of a teenager yet. But I'm told parents of teenagers learn pretty quickly how to keep watch very well. Checking through the blinds of the door the window, keeping watch to see if curfew is made or not. I do pretty good when I order something on Amazon and keep watch straight out my office door for a delivery from a brown truck of a specific package that I know I anticipate I'm excited to receive. I know how to keep watch. Sometimes we know how to keep watch when it's convenient, but yet keeping watch is much less practice when it comes to us as believers. I believe this in my heart, awaiting Christ's return. I think we, we, we fall into that trap that the disciples fell into on the night Jesus was betrayed. You remember how the story played out on that night? Jesus called the disciples to come and pray with him in the Garden of Gethsemane on that evening that he would be betrayed. And he asked them to keep watch in that moment, the same language that he reminds them. And those disciples did a good job in the instant and then fell asleep. And Jesus came back and he went away again after he woke them up and asked them to keep watch. And he went away to pray by himself and he came back. And what were they doing again? Falling asleep. They were distracted. They were more interested in their self-preservation in taking a nap. They came up with the same excuses that we come up with. Oh, it's not going to happen today, so I'll just go about my business as usual. I, I have a funny story of growing up. I was pretty well protected as a kid. We, we like to make fun of my parents for how protective they were. We had to ask permission to ride our bikes down the, our own driveway. <laughs> 
I was probably seven or eight. We were living in upstate New York in Henrietta, just outside of Rochester. And uh, seven or eight years old, and I was taking a nap. I remember it pretty vividly. I don't know why I was taking a nap. I was probably given Benadryl and told to go to my room. <laughs> That's my guess. But I woke up from that nap. And what normally happens in our house is you wake up from a nap and everybody's doing something. And I woke up and there was absolutely stillness in our house. No one was moving. First thought, carbon monoxide. (laughs) Went and checked the house. No one was there. Second thought, rapture. (laughs) No piles of clothing. They're all gone. Everybody. My mom, my dad, my sisters were gone. Not a trace of them anywhere in the house. No note, no nothing. So I did what any seven or eight-year-old would do. I grabbed a rubber band gun. (laughs) And I put a chair in front of the front door and I kept watch. I've told some of you this story. I sat there for who knows how long and got bored with it and left. Went back to life as normal. Everyone showed up a little bit later, probably with snacks or something that I didn't get. Feel sorry for me. It's only sometimes that I'm good at keeping watch. It's only sometimes that I I know that terminology and and I can focus my time and attention for just a brief moment. It is only partially that I am somewhat good. Keeping watch. So how do we not fall into the same trap that uh, hundreds, thousands, millions before us have done, where they have been distracted by the things of this world and they have not followed Jesus' command to keep watch? I want to give us three ideas, three how-tos, three practical reminders. The first is this: be faithful to Jesus Christ. Be faithful to Jesus. Christ. This is the, 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 the blinder reminder. This is the, uh, the, the, the focus reality. The, the reminder to us as distracted people, as human beings who uh, collectively have uh, attention deficit disorder. Whether it's diagnosed or not, we are people prone to distraction. Amen? Oh, look. Look right there. Okay, you didn't do it. I'm so proud of you. Anybody else get distracted? You remember the scene in the movie Up where, where, where the dog can talk because he's got a collar and, and, and he's having a conversation with people in the movie and, and then he says, Squirrel! You ever seen a dog get distracted? I think we often, we, we kind of do it as a family often when I'm getting distracted, Jess just goes, Squirrel! <laughs> We are people who lose our our focus. This first reality is that we must keep our attention. We must be faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. A a typical conversation that arises when someone has predicted uh, the end of times. That Jesus would be returning on uh, May the 11th, Harold Camping, back in 2012. Remember that? A typical question that arises out of that is how many people who followed the teachings of a teacher like that, how many of those who who were devout followers, who believed it beyond a shadow of a doubt, they went on news, they sold everything they owned, they believed it with all their hearts. How many of those fell away from the faith because of a moment like that? It's an obvious question for those of us who kind of watch from the outside. We wonder, oh, how many of those are going to walk away 
from the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ because they've been distracted. They've lost their focus. The same thing happens in various degrees throughout the church of Jesus Christ. When, when, when a pastor fails us morally, I've seen it in my own life. When uh, pastors have fallen uh, morally and they've been leaders in the church, when a, a Christian artist has fallen away from the faith, when someone who is a, in, in the public eye and bears the name of Christ publicly, and then they do something horrible. It is often the case that many who have been following in the ways of that person, they get distracted. They have been faithful to a person. When that person makes a decision that is against a kingdom-minded decision, people fall away. These falling aways happen when we as humans place our faith in anything other than the rock, Jesus Christ. If we are to keep watch as the church of Jesus Christ, if we are to pursue keeping our attention on him, we must keep our focus on him. We can't count on anyone else. We can't put our hope and our faith and our stock and our involvement all into anyone. It must be Jesus himself. It's Jesus himself who acknowledges that even the angels nor he himself know the day or time that he will return to call the faithful to heaven. But the guarantee still stands. His word is true. We can bank on the fact that if Jesus doesn't know the time or day that he will be returning, then no human can either. No one has figured it out. Again, it's, it's, it's staggering how many have decided to uh, publicly proclaim that they have it all figured out, that they read between the pages, and they figured it out that this is the day. So many have looked so foolish on that day when nothing has happened. I believe one of our jobs in keeping watch as believers in Jesus Christ is to remain faithful to him. He has never broken a promise. If he promised to return for his faithful followers, we must count on it happening. It is to come. Sadly, as humans, we're much quicker to put our faith into things. To other people. And when those people or things fail us, many of us find it difficult to find our footing. <laughs> We've talked about this before, that it's so easy for us as we read through the Old Testament and we see the children of Israel being so devoted to the Lord. They've had the very presence of God in their midst. They, they know God in an intimate way. They have experienced his presence. And then they are quickly, uh, in, in, in a time of a dry spell of their life, they're quickly uh, willing to uh, melt down all of their gold, all their earrings, all of their stuff, all their candlesticks. And fashion for themselves something physical that they can uh, focus their attention on, that they can pray to, that they can worship. And we look at them and we go, oh, you're so dumb. So are we. 
We experience these moments of intimate relationship with the Lord. We know his presence. Maybe we've experienced a, a worshipful atmosphere and we've no doubt experienced the presence of God. And then Monday happens. And then a storm happens. Then we lose a job. Then a loved one does something stupid in our life. Then something falls apart and we bypass our first love. And when we fashion for ourselves, maybe not a gold idol, maybe you don't melt down your earrings, ladies and gentlemen, but we fashion for ourselves other things. We start skipping out on worship of the one true God. And we begin to worship the things that are more comfortable to us. Maybe we don't bow down before them and say prayers to them, but by our time and our effort, by our uh, allegiance to the things of this world, we are declaring, yeah, God might be out there, but he's one of many things that I will devote my time to. I want to remind us, Jesus is coming. He's called us to keep watch. We must remain faithful to him. He must be at the center of everything. Second, diligence. Be diligent. Diligence is one of those words we don't uh, like to use a lot. Remember my story about sitting in front of the, the front door of my house with a rubber band gun. I was diligent for just a moment. If you know me at all today, you know that my attention span is even worse than it was when I was seven or eight years old. Uh, Diligence is not something I do very well. There's lots of tabs open in my life. Do you understand what I'm talking about? There's lots of things that I give a little bit of time here, a little bit of time here, a little bit of time here, and hopefully it adds up. Diligence is the reminder that we must be working for the Lord. I, I think, and I've said this before, many of us fall into the trap that we think we can open the tab of life that says, I'm committing my life to the Lord. I'm surrendering everything to the Lord. And then immediately following that instance, we open up another tab and we go back to whatever it is else we need to be working on. Maybe we've uh, bought into the idea that we can just go through life on cruise control. Don't you love cruise control in your vehicle when you're on interstate? Hopefully you don't put your car on cruise control when you're driving through town. That's awkward. (laughs) Don't be that guy. That gal. We love cruise control in our our vehicles. I want a Tesla that not only has uh, uh, cruise control, but you can let go and play board games with your family, apparently. (laughs) I promise not to do that often. Cruise control in our spiritual lives, we kind of buy into that same idea that we do in our vehicles, where we can just push a button and kind of continue on the way things are going, especially if they're okay. We have been called to so much more than that. We cannot live our lives, spiritually speaking, with a cruise control mentality. We can't go back to business as usual. Jesus doesn't offer us that opportunity. He wants to radically change everything. He wants to make us completely new, throwing all of the old out. 
Jesus gives the disciples an example in verse 34. He says, The coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. When he left home, he gave each of his slaves instructions about the work they were to do. And he told the gatekeeper to watch for his return. Jesus says, I'll tell you a story. How to keep watch. It's kind of like this idea. Sometimes it's fun to read, read what Jesus doesn't say, right? When Jesus says to keep watch on this subject of, uh, of diligence, it's sometimes fun to look and say uh, what Jesus doesn't say, but that we have uh, somewhat assumed that uh, we can just go and do ourselves. Jesus doesn't say in this passage, the end is coming, so build your bunkers and store a bottled water and cans of beanie weenies. Jesus doesn't say in this passage, the end is coming, stay calm and put it on a t-shirt. Jesus doesn't say the end is coming and you are free to move about the cabin, go on uh, with life as usual. Jesus says, let me tell you a story. It's like the master has gone away and he leaves instructions. He leaves work to be done. He puts in front of those he is leaving behind for this season, for a, a finite length of time. He has given them instructions on what to do. We, we know in two other Gospels, Jesus expounds on this parable. We call it the parable of the talents. He goes into great detail about the work left to do, and he breaks down this story, this illustration uh, for his hearers. And it makes sense to us as we read it as well. Jesus breaks the story down and says the master leaves, and he leaves in place of himself some resources. And he asks each of his three servants to do the work with these resources. And the master returns. And when the master returns, he praises the two servants who both put to work the resources the master had left them with, the job description left with. And they did the work. They multiplied what they had been given and they turned their resources, the master's resources, entrusted into their care into incredible gains. And then there was the third. You remember the story? The third did what he thought he should do. He buried, he buried his resource. He buried his talent. He buried his bag of gold. And the master returned and he said, Look, look, I didn't do anything wrong with it. I kept it hidden. It's safe. It's just like you left it. And maybe some of the most staggering, unsettling, radical red letters in all of Scripture, Jesus says in his illustration, in his words of illustration towards that third party, that third person in his story. Throw that worthless slave into the outer darkness, Jesus says, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Diligence reminds us that there's work to do. You have any work to do at home? Some of you have things that you need to get done even today. Right? Church is scheduled. You're here. You're hoping I'm winding things up so you can get to work. <laughs> You've got things to do. We want to know exactly how long we're going to be wherever it needs to be. Spiritually speaking, the work of being a disciple of Jesus Christ is the thing we are to be about. 
It's the thing that everything else has to be filtered through. You're a doctor? Awesome. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a follower of Jesus Christ and a doctor. You're a mom? Awesome. You're a follower of Jesus Christ who's a mom. You're a teacher? Awesome. You're a follower of Jesus Christ who teaches. You're a server at a restaurant? Can I get a discount? No, awesome. <laughs> You're a server at a restaurant who does so as a follower of Jesus Christ. The work we are to be about as disciples is to be first priority. Go into all the world presenting the gospel in relevant ways in whatever way makes sense for the audience we've been given. Our life, our words, our actions, everything we do. It's not piecemeal. It's not I am this and this. We are disciples of Jesus Christ. If you are transformed by the blood of Christ today, you are that first. You are a transformed, made new man, woman, child of God. Everything else we do, the diligence we are to be about is to remember what our job description looks like, that there are lost people all around us. We shouldn't have the convenience that we build for ourselves that says, oh, maybe I'll be evangelistic this hour. Maybe I'll put on my Christian part today. Diligence, work ethic demands us as we keep watch. As we keep watch to put on the mind of Christ every day, to be his hands and feet in all ways. Diligence leads us to our final point. Be alert. Be faithful to Jesus. Be diligent. And be alert. As we learn to keep watch, we must stay attentive. <laughs> keep our eyes open. This speaks of a hopeful expectation, the same response of being diligent. It's an expectation that Jesus could come back at any moment. Remember when that was much more common to talk about? And we aren't promised our next breath. Remember those conversations we would have? I remember growing up in the church, we talk often about, we don't know if tonight on your way home, the Lord could return at every, any moment. We still believe that. We still know that. He could return at any moment. We are, Jesus says, as he warns about not being alert in verse 36 he says don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning i say to you what i say to everyone watch for him he says it to his disciples and it's a warning to you and me against our our lack of diligence our, our lack our our tendency to be distracted 
Jesus warns earlier in the passage in Mark chapter 13 about uh, false prophets and false messiahs who will uh, put themselves up in a way that they would even be able to deceive, distract the elect. I believe that means even those of us who have been transformed and washed in the blood, we have an opportunity to be deceived and distracted by those who would cause our attention to turn to them instead of being alert for the returning of Jesus Christ. To borrow a few lines from one of my favorite Christian hip-hop artists who borrowed the line from Will Smith. This Christian hip-hop artist is named Andy Mineo. He says this in one of his songs. If you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. Will Smith said it. Andy Mineo says it. I think Jesus would say it. So I'm going to say it. Forgive the poetic slang. If we stay ready, we don't have to get ready. In April 2006, Jess and I weren't even married two years yet. She was nine months pregnant with our first child. We didn't know who it was yet or if it was human. (laughs) All signs pointed to it being human, but I wasn't so sure. Sunday morning, April 23rd, I was doing announcements at our church in Warsaw, Indiana. My role that morning was to do the announcements, entertain. And I went up to do announcements during that first service and did the announcements and finished and was walking from the the front to out into the lobby to go up to a Sunday school class that I was a part of that morning. And I happened to look at my phone. And as I looked at my phone, I also saw from a distance coming down the hallway at a fast pace, one of uh, my secretaries. And she was running, looking at me very furiously. And I looked at the phone, looked up at her, realized that notification means I've missed five calls from my wife who didn't come to church that morning because she was feeling very pregnant. And I realized five missed calls, woman running towards me. I should probably get ready. And as she said to me, Jess just called, her water broke, I knew what that meant. And I don't remember a lot in that moment from when the message was given to me to when I, I got home, but I, I've heard stories from some of our students in that season of ministry that somehow uh, the wheels on my Dodge Neon, 1995 Dodge Neon, huh? squealed as I pulled out of the parking lot. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. It could be. But I remember rushing home and getting home expecting to find a frantic wife whose water just broke and would be ushering in our first child. I expected to find a house going crazy and I expected to participate in some of that craze. And you know what I found instead? Just sitting at the kitchen table. I asked her again this week, how long did you have that bag packed? before Ella was born, and and we don't remember exactly, but it was probably weeks. She had a hospital bag packed and by the door, ready. She was ready. She was ready. And I was met with such an opposition in that moment. I remember it pretty vividly that I was just expecting, like, it's time, it's go time, let's get ready. And she was already ready. She had planned for months for this. 
So I helped her into our car, trying to make sure that I did extra things in that moment. And she was just calm as a cucumber. We lived very close to the hospital. We got to the hospital. <laughs> I unloaded her, unloaded her stuff. We got to the room, and I realized I wasn't ready. <laughs> in more ways than one. I had to call someone that afternoon and ask him to bring my wallet from my office. I had to ask someone else to break into our house to get me some clothes so that I could change out of my Sunday clothes. I wasn't ready for anything. And Jess is just chill. And we welcomed Ella late that night. I want to be more like Jess. I want to be more like Jesus asks us to be. I want to be ready and alert. I want to live today like Jesus could come back today. Now, I've got my own stuff. I've got my own self-diagnosed ADD to blame, right? But that's not even an excuse. As Jesus tells us as his followers... Keep watch. Be faithful to your first love. Be diligent. Be at work. You've got a job to do. Steven, you've got a job to do. All of us have a job to do. And be alert. Keep your head up. The truth is we haven't heard the first or last prophecy on a specific day and time that the Lord will return. If you ever hear me trying to give you a date or a time, do something bad. Chances are it's not going to be long before someone else publishes a date and a time. There's a couple already that have been gaining in popularity but as we continue to hear of these and continue to hear and see the reality of wars and rumors of wars as we experience earth-shattering earthquakes and false prophets, false messiahs and the like, our response, our action must be keep watch. Stay alert. Be ready. Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Jesus, we believe your promise that you will return to judge once and for all. We don't know when. Scripture says even you don't know when. But Lord, I pray that we, as followers of you, as those impacted powerfully by your radical words. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to keep watch. Help us to not be distracted by the things of this world, by the idols we build for ourselves, by the, the attacks of the evil one who would distract us from the work, the diligence we are to do. Help us, Lord, to be faithful, diligent, and alert. We ask collectively for forgiveness for those often times that we lose sight 
that we are distracted, that we do look elsewhere, that we do put our focus in earthly things. Lord, would you forgive us? And would you help us again to think through this lens in all that we do? It is with hopeful, excited expectation, Lord, that we take your command to keep watch. And we ask for you to give us the strength to do so. Lord, would you now bless us as we depart from this place? Would you continue to unite us together in word and action? Would you use this church, this body, these people to impact the world? We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.